Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers show. Now what would you say or do if you had the opportunity to ask a true master of delivering multiple world-class finance transformations how they did it all? I mean particularly given how important staying ahead or even keeping up with the pace of change today is for us finance professionals. Well luckily I had the chance recently to do this when I got to record a podcast with Google's EMEA finance director Niall O'Sullivan And on top of that, in this episode, we get to deconstruct how you get handed a 1 billion euro global transformation program and be the business finance guy that leads it. Three key focus areas where finance professionals can help drive successful change and also why the role of the traditional accountant is gone, though the importance of that discipline we pick up around audit and our technical accounting skills is hard than ever. So look, if you enjoyed this episode, please check out our detailed timestamp show notes, key quotes, resources, and ways to connect with our guest mentor at sitnshow.com. And don't forget to let your friends and colleagues know about us. We're on all the major platforms, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, and iTunes. And really appreciate you investing your time with us today. So without further ado, over to Niall and the show. So, Niall, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. Hey, look, it's really fantastic to have a fellow Irishman on the podcast uh, with us. Uh, but some of our audience may not be as familiar with your journey in finance. So would you mind perhaps going a bit into that for us? Well, uh, you know, I started out fairly, fairly traditional kind of entry into, into, into accountancy, reasonably, reasonably traditional. So I started out with a law degree, actually, back in, back in the day at a UCD. And at that stage, I think the law, you know, I was interested in law, I loved it, but it was very much kind of, the jobs were very much based on who your dad knew as much as anything else. And I kind of felt, you know, the accountancy at least was a bit of a meritocracy more than the, more than the law. The law was very closed in Ireland. And also I, I, I didn't, I, you know, even at that days, I, I, I liked the idea of being able to work abroad and have a, have, a, have a qualification that enabled me to work wherever, wherever I wanted to work. So then I went into into KPMG SKC as it was back back in the day and uh, really loved that. I had a great time in 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 uh, KPMG in Dublin. Uh, made a lot of friends there. You know, really was very much like a, an extension of college. But you know, really enjoyed enjoyed my time there. Always kind of felt practice wasn't wasn't going to be for me. You know, wanted to get out into the industry as quick as as quick as I could. I took a couple of relatively small jobs starting off while we were thinking about whether we'd kind of emigrate or go to Australia or whatever. But we stayed in Ireland and I got a job with a company called Softtrans back in back at the time. It was a And that kind of started me in the technology space. It was a company that did software translations um, back when people did big, large computer manuals and you had to have a computer manual translated into 70 or 80 languages before... Um, Google, well before Google Translate came along. <laughs> um, but that kind of got me in. It was an interesting thing. They had no cash. Uh, you know, it, it ended up getting 
possibly taken over by Robert Maxwell back in the day by his business. It was a very interesting challenge in business. Cash flow was a major problem. So I learned very early about the importance of cash flow. Mm. Um, we're looking at, you know, just ringing the bank on a Monday morning, deciding which checks would bounce. was a really good experience for a young kind of financial controller and knowing, knowing the value of cash. And I know from a lot of my colleagues as I grow along, that really did have a big impact on me. And, and, and you know, you kind of know where your cash is, that the fundamentals of any business is, is, is knowing your cash. I was lucky enough then to go and um, I, I got a job with, with Dell Computers. They were setting up a, the, the operation in Bray in Ireland. And at that stage, I think, you know, those companies were, were prepared to take chances on people relatively young. And they, you know, they took a chance on me and I was one of the first employees out in Dell in Ireland. But that was really fun at the time. And again, that enabled me then to go in. I went in as finance director into Oracle. And that set me off into the shared services kind of world. And in, in, in they were looking at, Ireland was obviously a shared services center. And we, again, back in those days, uh, what we, we were producing um, CDs and manuals. And that was the way you would record your software sales is when the CDs and the manuals would leave the business. Uh, again, you, you know, so you'd get it. If you bought an ERP system from Oracle, you'd get a truckload of ERP books on, you know, as soon as you bought the software. So, but we knew that wasn't going to last. So we started to divert into getting into financial shared service centers, setting it up in Ireland and bringing activities from all across Europe into Ireland and, um, you know, doing things that are now done in India. But it was, again, that was quite, quite advanced at that stage. And subsequently with that, I, I moved on and said, oh, I'd love to work for an Irish company. I'd worked for multinationals for a while. So I said, let's just, and, and there was a few kind of jobs in the offering. And I, I held out because Aircel at the time were the mobile phone business for Ireland. And they were owned by, by Aircom at the time, a public company, and were going to go public. Uh, and I thought that was a very exciting opportunity. The mobile penetration was only about 20% at the time. Um, so I joined Aircel again, an Irish company, and thought that this was absolutely great. Uh, the company went public, rapid expansion, like within, every, from nobody having the phone by the time I started to nearly everybody having one by the time, you know, within a couple of years, it was just a brilliant, really, really fun time. And uh, yeah, from having worked for an Irish company, we went through, you know, pretty rapid change from being a publicly owned company, a subsidiary of, 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 of Aircom, to being a you know private company on the stock exchange in Ireland, and then very very quickly after that, it was we the mobile business was taken over by Vodafone. So rapid change within a relatively short space of time. So you know, I, I, so then Vodafone came in, and quite quickly they said, "Hang on, we 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 have a problem in Portugal. Would you go and be CFO in Portugal?" So from a year before, it talks about career planning. From a year before, yeah. so, I'm not going to hold out and work for an Irish company. I ended up. As CFO for Portugal and for Vodafone in Portugal, and that's funnily enough that never really I never really, it took me a long long time to get back to Ireland after that because you know the the plan was you know I got promoted then to to um, to run a the transformation program for Vodafone uh, globally. Um, they <laughs> you know Vodafone was a collection of acquisitions at the time, but no real connections between the two. Their financial systems didn't talk to each other. Their Nobody talked to each other, really. And, uh, so the idea was then we put a we 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 put a project together 
to link the HR systems, the supply chain systems, and the finance systems into one big project. Project was over was probably cost about a billion a billion euros over over five or six years. That's massive, right. massive project, um, and ended up in one of the biggest ERP implementations in Europe at the time. Over a hundred thousand users onto one system, uh, but really tough, really tough program. Like, 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 now, just, just on that one. When someone, like, how did that come about out of interest? Because, like, that is a huge program. Was that something you were pushing, or did someone come to you and say, "We need to do all of this"? And well, well I was on the finance leadership team at the time for for Vodafone, and I suppose a new CFO came in, and and when I went down to Portugal, there was a lot of issues around the quality of the accounts, and you know, lots of things had to be done. So I, I had a very kind of programmatic mind, and I put. You know, I put a lot of projects in place because, you know, to try and drive all the change. And one of the reasons that I, I was driving so much change, I had to have a limit on how much change I could have to implement on the system. So I put a quite a detailed project management system in place. And I think the CFO came down and said, "Hang on, this is what you know, you're what what we need." And it was a really key decision. And it's interesting to see it here to put a finance person in charge of that transformation. Normally, you'd see an IT person maybe lead it. Yeah. But you know, Vodafone made a real kind of, I think, a very smart decision at the time to have it led by the business as opposed to led by IT. And I think that drove it drove a lot of buy-in and a lot of kind of you know it was a business-led program as opposed to an IT-led program. But it was extremely challenging. Really, you know, and. That time we did it. We were looking for a lot of investments. We started maybe a year before the crash, the economic crash. So you know we had burned a lot of our project cash at the time of the at the time of the crash. So there was a few kind of key, really key decisions: would we keep going or would we would would we would we stop? Um, and luckily enough, I think we were just past the point where we'd burned so much cash that it didn't make any sense to stop. <laughs> Um, but you know, had it happened a few months previously, the whole thing probably would have been canned and, and, and postponed. So, but the end project was hugely successful. Um, we ended up saving probably over a billion euros a year in terms of supply chain, and then been able to really get into the finance side and really cut you know a significant amount of cost out of the business, which was crucial for Vodafone at the time, crucial for survival. Well, well, yeah. I mean, like, given given the impending the, the recession that that yeah. hit and so on, like, so I suppose in terms of like, I I don't know. I mean, generally, there's this perception of uh, finance professionals huddling behind our desk. I mean, that's a huge transformation initiative. So, yeah. how do you get out there and, uh, and make sure one you're making the change, but not too much change where everyone is absolutely sick of change. Yeah. And then and actually be successful and bring it to the end. And but, and like I know you said it's business. It was business led, which was a big thing. But are there any other things that that helped you be successful at this? Uh, well, well, I think it was you know on these things there was obviously a driving business need, right? So the business had to change, and uh, and and that helped. Um, and. Uh, e equally, Vodafone was had a lot of really strong finance people who were, you know, those they were very kind of maths driven. They were hungry for information and precision around finance, and and there was a huge level of frustration because they couldn't get the information they needed. Equally, it was very much in the post growth phase, and um, you know they were looking at, you know, every point of margin was absolutely crucial. So you know the finance people kind of came to the fore in. In, in in you know the precision around finance was 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 crucial for running the business. So, you know, looking at we mentioned cash flow earlier in the in our discussion. Yeah. You know that that ability to predict 
within within a couple of hundred thousand every year what your cash flow was going to be it just gave a huge assurance to the market at least you know the business might be might be you know struggling in some areas and challenging but at least the 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 discipline and the accuracy there was never ever a uh, a miss in terms of in terms of uh, accounting or you know accounting issues or anything that despite all the pressure that was on the business you know, they all had a, a really good idea of, of being able to predict what was going to happen i mean that, that must have been a huge hit and i know it was probably with the bones of 10 plus years ago now but yeah. but like it's it's interesting in the times we're in now with finance transformation digital yeah. finance i i was talking to someone this morning about bot shoring yeah um, it's just like yeah. I, I don't know i mean it's is this a key skill now for us in finance to be able to know how to support transformation uh, you know i, I, I and, and i've spoken about that a number of times and and, and i talked to my team all, all all about that the whole time i think the age of just a traditional accountant is is, is pretty much gone um i think he, he, you know he uh, you know, machines would be able to do, like everything needs uh, journal entries, all that sort of stuff is just going to be gone. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, month-end processes would be, would, you know, would be completely automated in time, right? But how do you get to that position? So what do you need to know to get to that position? So you need to know how the processes work, right? You need to know process engineering. You need so machine learning and all that is people talk about bots and all that sort of stuff but you need to be able to tell these things what to do right uh, like a human still has to instruct them what the core task is and why right and have that in like the, so the audit training is still absolutely crucial that that ability to actually say right this is this is where the numbers come from and this is the source data and this is this is what it ties back to you know the discipline of having your bank rec accurate at the end of the day in your bank reconciliation so you know having that discipline and then being able to explain to a machine right this is what you need to do i think that that that's core skill but it, so it's been able to kind of explain so core the core accounting skills now is going to be able to understand process understand process engineering being able to talk to it people and explain what's important and what can be done and what can't be done and um, that that's all going to be crucial yeah, I, I think, you know, so it's, it's that amalgamation, I suppose, of, um, how do you say, our training, a yeah. very good technical training, but also the ability to see across the organization yeah. and the different functions and how it all connects together. Yeah. Um, probably we underappreciate that. I, I, you know, I suppose in terms of, so you've had um, the, the smaller, well, I wouldn't say smaller, less multinational experience, a country experience of multinationals. Yeah. Are there any sort of things that stand out to you that one does better than the other, or what can one learn from the other in your experience, Niall? Well, I, I think that um, we, we, I've always done a huge amount of that, of, of best practice sharing. And one of the things I used to do um, is, any, any new, I used to have a meeting after when, when, when the group was kind of six months after joining the business. And he used to ask them, okay, three things that we do better than your last company and three things that your last company did better than us. Great question. Right? Because there's always, there's always things that somebody else does. And I, you know, I've always set ourselves the standards of trying to find out, well, what do they do better than us? And what can we learn from? And what can we steal from somebody else? And finance people tend to be pretty good at sharing best practice. So if you go talk to somebody, they'll tell you what they do, what they're good at, and what they're not so good at. Um, and particularly when you're implementing kind of systems, people tend to, Shared their stories pretty, pretty, pretty well. 
But I think that learning, like there, there, there's nobody, I remember we did a lot of work with Hackett's on the best practice on world-class stuff. I was also trying to ask, well, who's, who's, who's world-class, right? And there are now a few companies, and thankfully vote, we got both of them into the world-class bracket. But you know, even here, there's some things that we do extraordinarily well here. I'm amazed at here. But there's some things that we're pretty rubbish at, to be honest, and that, we, that, that need improving because of the dynamic of where, where our business is at. So you know, there, there, there's always things to learn from other businesses. So, so, um, so look, I'm, I'm not going to question too much why you left the warmth of Portugal to come back to Ireland. Well, I actually went from Portugal to do to run the project. I ran that via London, so I went. Oh, to, London, sorry. I worked, yeah. So most of my career, the last eight nine years, were in London. I had an interim stop with a company called Pearson, a big education company, as where where, where um, there I was running a great project, another finance transformation project there. And then Google came along and had a, had a role for me here in Dublin. And, um, you know, the opportunity after 13 years to come back to Ireland was great. It was just great, yeah. And, and I suppose in terms of your work at Google, I mean, what's ex- exciting you most about your current work in finance? Well, I think to make the big thing here really is the pace of change. Um, it, it's an extraordinarily, uh, um, you know, some of the things we do here, you couldn't imagine even trying in Vodafone. So, like, we, we have... I only have teams in in three countries. I have people in London, people in Moscow, and people here. And we do we do the accounts for 130 countries from here. You know, so we 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 outsource a lot. We use kind of experts in each of the countries and all that. So you know, it's a very highly leveraged model. Oracle or something similar, um, and other kind of high high techs have it. But if you were trying to reverse engineer and do it like Google did it because it grown organically and that's the way it started off. But if you were trying to go to a local FD in a, in a, in a regular business and say, listen, we're moving absolutely everything. There's going to be no finance people in, in, in your country. I think that, that would be that, that you know, and, and, but it, it, it really does work. And, um, you know, it, it's, 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 you know, pretty, pretty amazing. And the other, the other interesting thing I think as well is that, uh, back to your earlier point on our on the FBNA side, which is run by a colleague in London, you know, there's a lot of people in there now that are different types of finance professionals. There's a lot, not a lot of chartered accountants. There's a lot of data scientists that are coming into the world, and data visualization, and all this sort of new language is coming on people who can see data and kind of make patterns out of it and say, okay, if we, you know, that oh, that seems to me like there's a pattern there. If we do X as a result. We can we can boost our revenue or boost or boost our penetration and stuff. So there's a lot of new skills coming out, you know. So the traditional skill of accountants moving into kind of business partnering and into FP&A, there's going to be much more specialization coming coming through. So you're sort of preempting my next question, really. I guess not. It's like you know, for for us as finance professionals to remain relevant and yeah. you know, keep adding value to the business, like. Yeah. What what are the best skills or what best things to be focusing on so we're doing the right things and you know have sustainable careers in finance? I, I think there's a couple of things. I think just completely, you know, the the boosting of your database analytical skills is huge. I think that 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 data mining skill, you know, the, the ability to so everybody talks about big data, you know, it, 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 it's it's it, it is a massive issue, but somebody has to figure out what it means, right? All these thousands of data points coming in, but or making looking seeing real patterns in that, I think is absolutely huge and and, and very important. But there, there's more emphasis. So the other thing is the thing we spoke about earlier. There's always going to be a huge need for 
change management skills and project management skills and to be able to really kind of uh, run to change things because the change constant, you mentioned the bots, you mentioned artificial intelligence, machine learning, all that sort of thing. All that, this, that you know, means that a finance has to go from where it is today to, 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 to a different position. I think that, that's absolutely crucial. Um, the core skills still of understanding the process of how numbers get created. So how, how a number gets into the, you know, into the end financial statements from the core processes and to be able to explain which is important and which is not. So an FP&A, if it's forward looking and it's kind of scenario building, that's fine. But what is the source of that data and how, how, how reliable it is? So there's you know, three kind of core areas, the controls and compliance, all that sort of areas will still be a really more important skill as, as, uh, as we try to outsource more and get computers to do more. The people who understand, hang on, there could be People's going to make, there's going to be somebody making a big mistake soon. Oh, I, yeah. We're just, I think we're just waiting on that, weren't we, to come yeah, in the headlines. The machine made a mistake here, and you have to unravel and see where where, where, where the mistake was made. Um, but having really good kind of high-quality skills to understand the end-to-end -end process, I think, is, is, is going to be huge. Yeah, I, th I think I think that's that's it. It really isn't. It's appreciating the skills we already have, and then just yeah. supplementing with the, because because yeah. to your point on the controls and appliance now, like the way the way I've just got it pictured in my mind now is that business models continually change. Yes. If they don't change, they're not keeping up. So if it's been programmed in a particular way, and no one's gone back to say, are these controls still relevant? Exactly. Um, you know, and that's when the big mistake is going to come. It's not because someone's tried to do something new and it's failed. It's we've yeah. been doing something the same way and it's no longer relevant. And it's and, caused... and that understanding then of, of where the numbers come from. I think that that accounting training and uh, you know your, your your core training, I think, is absolutely crucial. You know, so so the, the understanding of the accounting side, but I think that auditing skill and that compliance skill and that discipline will, will always be really important. It definitely and, and now look you've been giving us great advice and look, you've had an amazing career but i suppose in terms of yourself you know, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received well um i i i think early in my career is hard and hire the best people you can and i still think this is really crucial people still come in to me and and are looking for you know a headcount is always going to be scarce and i think you know modern companies really look at at headcount has been a real way of controlling the spend in in in, in a business, and that's certainly uh, that's certainly true in all the big tech companies. So you know, every time you hire somebody, that's you know that's a major investment for 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 you and your team. So you know, really concentrate on making the. And when I ran the ERP program, you know, I where I'd like to find I knew nothing about about ERP or technology. Um, but everybody on your team should know more about something than you do. Yeah, definitely. Right? That's a you great know, one. What, what, what skill do they bring that you don't know nothing about? So we're doing banking licenses at the moment here, and, and you, we're bringing in people who know an awful lot more about it than me. And back in my old job, you know, some of the people I hired and who were part of my team were just brilliant on the technology side. And that, that really is the key. You know, do, do you have people around who know more than you do about something? Yeah, that's um, yeah, that that's interesting. That's going to be interesting for a lot of finance professionals yeah. who feel like that they have to know it all. But actually, these days, it's probably a disadvantage, or yeah. we're holding ourselves back a bit by doing that. Yeah. So anytime you interview somebody, what what are they? What extra are they going to bring to the party? 
right? Well, actually, yeah. actually, if you think about it, the business could actually be investing that money rather than in finance in an extra quota carrying rep or a sales yeah. head. Someone's going to bring money in. So yeah, that absolutely is a challenge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a competition now. Yeah. Absolutely. So what extra do we bring? So you know, when someone comes in, is what are they going to return back to the business, even if it's in a compliance role? Exactly. You know, there's got to be some value being unlocked in there. And I suppose in terms of uh, resources you found useful in your career, are there any sort of books or papers or anything, Niall, you could recommend we our audience follow up on? I the other thing I think is for 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 kind of accountants to concentrate on their communication skills, you know, their ability to their ability to communicate their point clearly and succinctly you know a lot of uh, non-finance people very surprisingly find fi some finance topics quite boring right so you know before the you know you got to get in there and tell them something interesting before the eyes stays over right <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. How, i mean how is that finance not funny eh? <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. so i think like i think that that you know the just that ability to explain your yeah. points in an elevator pitch Right, you know, you you meet somebody senior and say, "What's going on for you?" and to be able to kind of really succinctly say, "This is what the problem I have, um, and this is a possible solution." I think, you know, so you know, as young people develop their careers, I think that investing on that communication skills side is really important. And actually, I think on in addition to that communication, when you sort of said the word solution there, Noel, I think that's that's the other angle here. I think um, there's a big perception of finance blocking. Business yeah. progress and saying no a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's, where's where's okay? It's like more like okay. Have you thought about it this way or another possible solution? And that's where the communication answer. comes in. It says, well, you, you you can't do this. This is the reason you can't do it. But if you do do this, if you do it this way, this is the benefit you'll get out. You'll get you might get better reporting. You might get better information. You'll get to be more reliable. But to be able to explain why you're blocking, I think is absolutely yeah. key. Yeah, no, I think that's fantastic advice for audience. And, and look, just as we're nearly wrapping up, Niall, you know, is there any sort of other advice uh, you could maybe share with our audience or maybe parting thoughts uh, so we can keep relevant and have those meaningful careers in finance? Yeah, like, I, you know, I, obviously I had a, had a you know, I have, have had a, still having a great career in, 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 in technology side. So I've always been really interested in the innovation side. Um, but I think that thing, be just be open, find out where, where other people are doing things better. Um, and you know, just be you know, full of ideas and full of. Uh, there's always somebody doing something better, and there's always somebody has a solution to the problem you're facing yourself. You know, so build your network, build your level of expertise uh, with people outside your own world. Hey, look, you know, I, th I think you've just led into an, an absolute brilliant close for this podcast. You know, now because that's that's the reason for this podcast yeah. coming together is i fundamentally believe within our profession across the world someone knows the answer to one yeah. of our problems and the more we share and are open-minded to ask the questions yeah you know what works what doesn't work you know what works well or what could be better i think that's a great way just learning off of each other so look really appreciate you investing your time with us today and coming on the show and that's why i agree you're great to do this andrew i think you know just kind of getting people talking and learning is uh you know it's, it's very crucial so well done to you as well for getting the series going. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter. 
which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.